You're listening to Conversations with Tori Talbert Podcast, the show that brings you interviews from lifestyle and relationship experts, tips from entertainers and entrepreneurs, topics on social issues. Now, here's your host, Tori Talbert. continuing our series on how to have sex with a busy lifestyle, and our guest today is Monica Tanner, and she is more than a wife to a super hunk husband, but a boss mom of four kids and a weekly podcaster at On the Brighter Side. She's been researching and interviewing marriage experts to find the perfect framework for strong and abiding love, deep and lasting intimacy, and a solid, unbreakable connection. Her deepest desire is to strengthen marriages by filling the world with radical intimacy. Welcome to the show, marriage enthusiast, Monica Tanner. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so excited <laughs> to be here. Me too. I'm so excited to have you on this show. I'm ready for you to spill your expertise on sex with a busy lifestyle. Give us some tips. <laughs> <Do it. Yes. laughs> yeah, give my couple some tips about talking about intimacy more and, you know, open up with their partner. It just seems sometimes that people do not want to talk about it. What do do it, but they don't want to talk about it. You know? <laughs> right, right. I love to talk about it. It's my favorite thing to talk about. Actually. I know. <laughs> so before we get started, I just kind of want you to introduce yourself to our audience and just tell them what led you to the decision to help couples build a relationship, their friendship, and just live, live a successful life. Sure. Well, like you said, I have been obsessed with what makes a marriage really strong, healthy, and solid for many, many, many years. It goes back to my parents' divorce when I was 12 years old. And, you know, until that point, I had this kind of fairy tale life. There really weren't any challenges or anything that I knew. I just thought my life was magical. And then all of a sudden, one day, my parents announced, yeah, that they were getting a divorce. And I was like, what? And, um, You know, obviously, my life was dramatically different after that point. And so I kind of, you know, became obsessed with what really makes relationships work at that point. And so I would kind of study my friends, parents' relationships and things like that. All the way through college to grad school, my plan was to uh, become a social worker so that I could work with married couples and families. And, um, sorry, I'm getting a call in, so do you want me to repeat that? No, no, no. You're, I mean, yeah, I mean, do you need to take the call or um, just... No, I don't, but I just, <laughs> I don't know how to stop it. I don't know how to stop it from beeping. Anyways, okay. Oh, I, I can't hear it. I can't hear it. Oh, okay, good, okay. Yeah, so all the way through college, I studied, you know, sociology, the the study of human behavior, and then my intention was to go to grad school to become a a social worker so that I could work with families. Um, And then right after college, I actually met my Prince Charming, the man of my dreams, and so I just jumped into experiential marriage. Um, So we started a business together, and we had four kids together. And um, this fairy tale marriage that I signed up for got really, really hard at one point. And I thought, what have I done? Maybe I can't hack this marriage thing. And so I went really deep dive into figuring out everything I possibly could about 
what was going wrong with my marriage, how to communicate in a marriage, and really how to make a marriage work because my biggest fear in life was to not, you know, not succeed at marriage. So, um, so I really learned everything I could and over the next several years kind of developed my framework for um, how to communicate within marriage, how to make a marriage work, how to make a marriage strong. And um, so once my, my youngest child, my youngest of four, went to all-day kindergarten, I went back to graduate school to become a marriage and family counselor, actually went to three semesters of grad school and decided that grad school really wasn't for me, that I didn't really want to be a counselor because I could only help very few couples at a time. I wanted to help lots and lots and lots of couples. So I dropped out of graduate school and I started my podcast on the brighter side and I started studying generally what made people successful and then I put all of the things I learned about that into the framework of what makes marriage work and have been talking for the last about a year just predominantly about marriage and intimacy and what makes those things really, really awesome. Now, when you um, – I want to go back real quick because I was listening to what you were saying. Now, when you said that, you know, you have this fairytale, you know, sort of childhood with, you know, your parents and just your family and your your parents went through uh, – they went through a divorce now. And that's kind of like you when you said you – you wanted to see, you know, what happened, what worked. Now, did you ever talk to them about what happened? It's, it's kind of like you were young when you started your research. So did you kind of right. ask them, like, what happened did you, when they were going through their divorce? Yeah, so, you know, in recent years, in my adulthood, and once I got married, I did ask them. And what was so shocking to me is that they never disagreed. I never saw them fight or anything like that. It seemed like it just totally came out of the blue. And really, they had known each other. They met when they were 16 years old. They were high school sweethearts and then college sweethearts. And then they just got married because that was the natural next step. And they knew each other so well that they didn't really fight or disagree about anything. They just kind of let themselves fall out of love with each other. And so that, to me, was a huge you know, point of research for me is like, how do you keep the love alive? How do you keep that spark going? You know, how do you keep yourself from falling out of love? And I think that um, partners so well with complete intimacy within marriage. Okay. Now, now, God, there's so many questions from what you said that I want to just change everything and and, and ask. (laughs) So, so, okay. So, through all that, and, and you left grad school, and then you um, you started uh, on the brighter side podcast, which is extremely extremely interesting because you guys do a lot of events and stuff. And but tell tell us about the brighter side uh, on the brighter side. What is that all about? Yeah. So when I look back on my life and the challenges that 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 came to me or presented themselves to me after my parents' divorce, I feel like I grew up really quickly. I mean, obviously, family dynamics changed. My mom moved away to a different state. I stayed to live with my dad. He remarried. I instantly had two stepsisters. I had to change schools. So many things changed for me all at once. And then high school was really a difficult time as far as family and um, eventually, I left home, you know, as a 16-year-old and, you know, 
grew up really, really fast, having to kind of take care of things on my own. And I think that I survived all of those things because of my ability to look on the brighter side. And so what got me through those really difficult trials, not only in my life, but like I mentioned, my marriage at one point was very difficult as well. And so I just kind of applied those same principles of being able to be in a difficult circumstance, but make it a good experience with my thoughts and my actions. And so that's really how On the Brighter Side was born because really I love to teach people my three-step framework for making any circumstance into a positive experience. And I think if you have that, you can get through really anything. Well, you know, I really like the fact that it's, it's not that you're being extremely transparent, but just the fact that you can say, you know, you know, I admit that I, there were, you know, there was my parents' divorce and then I had problems in my own marriage and, you know, and so it's like you have a brighter side based on sort of your life experiences. That's kind of what I, you know, I, what I see or what I hear. Now, Absolutely. Do you think, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, absolutely. And that really is my tagline. So what I say at the end of every podcast episode is have courage, be kind, and stay on the brighter side. And if you look at those words, it's a, it's a total combination of the fairy tale Cinderella, which I associate so closely with my life, have courage and be kind, and stay on the brighter side. It, because I feel like the marriage of those two things, you really can have a fairy tale life and it's all in how you choose to think about the things that are happening to you. So that's, you know, that is, it's kind of the compilation of all my life experience and everything I've learned. Now, not, not to like that we're like harping on the fact that your parents were divorced, but you know, a lot of people are in situations where the love is there, um, you know, but there's a difference between the love and the desire you know, to to be with someone and continue on doesn't necessarily mean that you want to divorce them, but you got to figure out. I'm thinking of you know, like how you how do you make this work? And so, um, uh, so why do you think that you know? Well, is there you think there is a difference between love and desire? Like, you know, why is it that some people can love the person that they're with, but like they don't maybe desire them or they don't want to be intimate with them? Why is that? Yeah, so that is something so cool that I learned from from a marriage and family as well as a sex therapist that I work really closely with. I develop all my programs with her, and she taught me this, and it, like, was mind-blowing. So love and desire are fundamentally different in, like, every way. In fact, they're almost opposites of each other. Because if you think of love, you think of security, you think of familiarity, you think of, you know, belonging to someone. So the feelings of love are very stable. They're very, um, uh, they're very predictable. That's what creates those feelings of love. Now, on the other hand, desire is almost exactly opposite. If you think of desire, you think of mystery, you think of not, you think of wanting, you think of arousal, you think of all, I mean, emotionally, physiologically, 
And logically, actually, the feelings of love and the feelings of desire are completely opposite of one another. And so what happens is these couples, Cammie talks about it, the sex therapist, she talks about these couples come into her office and there's no problem with love and there's no problem with commitment. This couple obviously wants to be together, so they're seeking her help. And what she helps them realize is that to desire one another is completely different. So a lot of, you know, kind of the hard way to go about it is experts will say, if you just love each other more, if you're just more friends, you know, that'll solve everything. But the problem is these couples, they try to be more in love and they work on their friendship and then they get really frustrated because that doesn't actually change the desire that you have for each other. You have to work on a completely different system to bring that desire into the equation. Uh, you know, and you say desire, and I think it's, it's so funny because a lot of people think, or a lot of couples may think that when you, when you feel like, when they think of desire, they also may think of, of sex. And you almost have to explain the difference to them the way you sort of, you know, did did uh, just now, and I know that when I, w- when I did a previous interview, it's sort of like what you just said, you know, the desire, uh, you know, versus, you know, something else, but it's like we talked about sex versus intimacy where people group those together, and people may group mm-hmm. desire, like you know, like you may group desire with sex, but that's totally right. not what it is, you know. Um, yeah, desire is like wanting. It's like something that you don't quite have that's not necessarily yours, you desire it, right? If you have this idea that, you know, we're in it for the long haul, we're together forever, which is really important, and you want to balance both in a marriage, of course, mm-hmm. but the desire comes when when there's, like, mystery there, when there's something spontaneous about to happen, when you're just not sure if that person will always be there or not. That's mm-hmm. what breeds desire. Now, do you think that couples uh, do you think that couples look at, at sex as a way to build up their marriage? Like, is that right or wrong, or does it, does it just kind of depend on that particular couple's the dynamic of their marriage? Yeah, that's a great question. So, there's so much involved in sex, right? And sex is very different for for different people. You know, there's you know the broad sweeping generalization that men just love physical aspect of sex where sex for a woman is kind of more emotional and more spiritual but but i mean that that's a broad generalization of of the sexes but um but but sex is really more than just an the act of intercourse i think that intimacy as a whole encompasses friendship and romance and physical you know, the physical act of being intimate with each other. So there's like so much involved in all of that. And then when you talk about like things that stand in the way of of sex or make it not as good as it could be, you have unmet expectations and resentment and the things that just naturally come into a marriage as a life starts to happen. You know, so like one of the big desire killers is, is being a new new parent, you know that you know is a huge barrier to to you know wanting to be physically intimate with each other, and then they're starting a business or building a house or 
all of these things that we do in a marriage that make it really challenging then to feel this kind of like, I just want to jump into bed and rip all your clothes off, right? <laughs> now, 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 how, now I'm, I'm sure that, that with that, couples have come to you and and they may not have, let's say, the the desire there. And it, it's almost like, like you said, you know, they may have just had a new baby, you know, you know they're new parents, they may have started a, a business. But if a couple, if they come to you, like I'm sure a lot of our listeners are, they come to you and they're like, you know, I love this person, and I just don't want to have sex with them. I mean, I've, I've heard that before. They love them, yeah. but they don't want to have sex with them. How do you, you know, what tips could you give to a couple that comes to you and, and they say that? Yeah, so so just in as far as just straight tips go, I mean, usually there's so much going on, right, when when mm-hmm. a couple is like, we we love each other, we just, you know, like for for typically it's it's a woman, but a lot of times it could be a man that's just under a lot of stress as well, and he's just kind of like, uh, but but for the most part, it's going to be women, and that's actually a different in desire types. So sometimes I teach them about the difference in desire types, spontaneous versus responsive desire types. So some people have a very spontaneous desire type, which means it doesn't take a whole lot to, you know, get them ready to jump in the sack. They're just ready at all times. And and then you have another group of people who are, have a very responsive desire type, which means it's going to require some touch and some some different, you know, talking to them a certain way and touching them in a certain way that's going to get them ready, right? And neither one of them is bad. You need both of them because can you imagine if everyone had a responsive or a a spontaneous (laughs) desire type? I mean, nothing would ever get done, right? (laughs) Right. If we all had a responsive desire type, then, you know, probably people wouldn't procreate. So you've got to have a good mix of both, but it's just important to understand those, those, the two types and how they work together, especially in a marriage. So it's really important to just be educated about, you know, love and desire and then different response, the different desire types. And then just understanding the benefits that the actual sexual intimacy carry with it. They range anywhere from physical benefits, like it's good for your heart, not only physically, but it opens up your heart to another person, which is a beautiful experience. The emotional benefits that come with with sex, a lot of, I think a lot of times people think, I'm just, I'm too exhausted to have sex. But really, when, yeah, when you educate people about sex, I mean, it it. Sex should be a source of rejuvenation. I mean, when you have good sex, you feel loved and sustained and alive. And so when you when you teach people the real benefits of sex, it's not like I'm too exhausted to have sex. It's like I'm exhausted, therefore I need sex right now. <laughs> wow. I never thought of it that way. <laughs> I mean, you know, I never, like, thought of it to where it would be put, like, like that way, you know. Like, yeah, you like, need it more I, than yeah. ever when you're exhausted <laughs> and you're spent and you feel emotionally drained. You can use sex to fill up your bucket. It's it's so beautiful. And then, not to mention the connection that you feel. It, not 
the connection you feel to yourself and your body, the connection you feel to your partner. And then for many people, it's so spiritual because you feel connected even to a higher power. So sex Mm -hmm. can be such an incredible experience if we're educated and we're looking at it through the right lens. But, you know, there may, there may, you know, there may be some people, you know, that will say, I, I, okay, Monica, I understand what you're saying, <laughs> but however, if I can, you know, if, okay, you know, for me, for example, I, I love the fact that I, I've mastered sort of the, the work-life balance, but not everyone is like mm-hmm. that. And so, yeah. um, you know, say there's a person that is like me and they have not mastered the work-life balance and then they come home mm-hmm. and, and their partner is, you know, is, you know kind of like all over them. You know, you're tired. doesn't mean that you do yeah. not love that person and you don't desire them. But how can that person, um, you, know, let, you know, let their partner know, I love you, you know, but I'm tired. That's, that, that's what goes with, you know, you know, how to have sex with a busy lifestyle. You haven't seen that partner, right. that person in like four or five days, and you come home and, and they're just kind of sitting there like a little puppy with their tongue out, their right. tongue sticking out. Yeah. And, you you know, so how how can you get those two to come together and, and, and communicate, um, you know, basically how to have sex with a busy lifestyle because you just come home and yeah. you're, you're exhausted, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Well, I think you hit the, I mean, you said it right there. A lot of that is going to have to do with really good communication between the couple. As I know for me and my husband, sex is a huge stress reliever for him. So if he comes home from work and he's exhausted from a, a difficult day and, you know, things haven't gone right and he's just spent, I know that for him, I can relieve a lot of, of stress and pressure by you know, by physical intimacy like that. Whereas for me, if I've had a really stressful day and like the kids have been hard and things just haven't gone my way, for me, like a snuggle and a really good makeout session for me is like the ultimate stress relief. And maybe that'll lead to something else, but maybe it won't and it needs to be okay. So communicating that with each other and just really understanding like how can I serve you best you know, I see that you're tired. I see that work was hard. You know, how can I, as your partner, serve you best in this circumstance? And just being able to communicate and understand that is going to go a long, long way. But, uh, but as well, I do teach a, my five-step framework for really making this being able to process emotions, being able to ask for what you need. And that framework is huge for um, being able to manage unmet expectations and really manage your resentment. And that's going to open up just this whole new, I think, you know, beautiful opportunity for connection and intimacy in all the different levels. Does that make sense? Yeah, you know, it it really does. And as I as I'm listening to you, I'm like I'm, I'm just thinking about people that I've encountered or or my friends and and you know and they'll be like, oh my god, you know, <laughs> I'm tired. And I know he's going to come in here and he's going to want yes. sex, you know. And and if you were to talk to my friend, it would be like Monica, no, <laughs> you know. And so <laughs> it's like it's and I think they're so stuck, or maybe people are so stuck on. Tired mean, means no, 
you know, right. and that's and that's and that's really not that's really not how it is. And, I, and I'm so glad that you you know you brought up the fact that it's you know it's it's about communication and it's about uh, maybe teaching or teaching your your mind and your body to be in tune, uh, you know, with what works for that other person. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's not yeah, because yeah, you know my friends will be like, no, tell Monica no, no, yeah, <laughs> <It's> not working. <laughs> But, you know, I like that. That's important. Yeah, and I think helping couples understand that it doesn't always have to end in sexual intercourse. I mean, there is a whole lot of ways to experience sexual pleasure, and it doesn't always have to be intercourse, right? So if you're tired but your partner, you know, is is having some needs or, or things like that, there's tons of options that don't require intercourse. So, you know, having communicated about those options and like being really in touch with your breaks and excel your your own personal sexual breaks and accelerators and really understanding um how to delay sex so um being able to understand like you know you know guess what yeah i'm really too tired for this uh right now like like i don't really want to have sex right now but like I, you know, I could give you a pretty great hand job or, uh-huh. you know, tonight, you know, tonight I'm just, I'm feeling too exhausted for this, but tomorrow night I will make sure I'm ready to like totally rock your world, you know? So being <laughs> able to delay and being able to say no, those, th- and, and not feeling guilty for it and things like that, I think is also very huge. Being able to communicate like, hey, this is how I'm feeling tonight, but tomorrow night I'll I'll be ready. Or, you know, I I can't do this, but I can offer you this. You know, having those types of communications and understanding between a couple really changes the game as well. And that's, you know what, and and the way you put it is really, really, um, it's really easy. And it's just, like you said, the simple communication. And some people don't even think that. Like I said, they think, tired no I, I don't you know and they don't think of okay well yeah. how about if I did this I and I like I I like that you said that because that is that is a that's actually um that's actually a great tip because people don't they don't think they don't think like that they're just you know in that tired mind mind like, frame oh, he just wants to have sex <laughs> yes exactly exactly um I have to read something from our sponsor, but I want you to think about a question that I want to ask you about strengthening the family and the relationship during, you know, while everyone is quarantined right now due yeah, to this yeah. pandemic. Um, uh, this episode of Conversation with Tori Tolbert is sponsored by Behind Erotic Doors. Behind Erotic Doors is about helping you experience all there is to uh, when it comes to romance as a couple, the spice of life is romance. It's time to make your relationship hotter, indulge in more romance, more intimacy, more often. Browse our site and discover what turns you on. Couples that play together, stay together. Visit BehindEroticDoors.com. Savor, enjoy, repeat. Now, what I want to know is now people are quarantined, they're staying home, they're staying very or they're staying very close to home. Well, we have no idea, no idea how long, but uh, what are like a few tips for not only uh, spending that time strengthening family relationships, but for also developing a deeper, more intimate relationship with your partner? Because some people, you yeah. know, tra- travel, they're not used to being that close right. with their partner and family that long. 
Absolutely. Yeah, you bet. That is such a great question and so valid right now because I think, you know, you've you've definitely got people in close quarters, and so you're heightening all of the emotions, really. I mean, it, people are people are scared, people are uncertain, people are feeling pinched here and pinched there, you know, small business owners or, you know, people are losing their jobs. There's really a whole lot of uncertainty around. And so all of the emotions, everything's getting, kids are not at school, you know, are we going to have to learn how to homeschool our kids? Are they, you know, there's all different unanswered questions with that. And so basically the, the phrase that keeps going through my head is what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, right? So right. Uh-huh. if we don't die from from COVID-19, then probably we're going to come out stronger. And so I I like to think one of my kind of tricks for, for looking on the brighter side is that this won't last forever. We know that it's not going to last forever. So we can either lay down and die or we can decide that we're going to come out stronger on the other end. And if we've made the decision that we're going to come out stronger than on the on the other end, then everything that's happening to us right now, all of the, you know, all of the heightened emotions and and different trials that are happening within our own homes right now, are just part of that process. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? So if we yes, have faith does. that we will get through this and we will come out stronger on the other end, then all the rest of it is just part of the process. So I think that you have this opportunity now. You've got couples in close quarters and they're learning all different things about each other now that maybe they didn't even want to know. But it's causing everybody to have to learn how to process their emotions more efficiently because they are affecting everybody else in your household. It's learning how to stay separate, meaning It's okay. This is hard for a lot of couples to understand, but I teach this a lot, is that if my husband has a bad day, like he gets off a phone call and something didn't go right and he's feeling really anxious and stressed, he can feel that way and I don't have to. So a lot of people Mm -hmm. think that, you know, if my husband's stressed out and he's in a bad mood and he's worried about money, then I have to feel that way too. And the truth is, is that it's absolutely fine for them to feel that way, and I don't have to. In fact, my husband and I kind of have a rule, like only one of us can be spinning out of control at a time. Like only one of us can lose it. I like that. I like that. So if he's losing it, I have to remain calm. In fact, I use the analogy, like if he's flailing around in the pool, I need to stay on the side. I don't need to oh, jump wow. in the pool with him, right? Right. And so and so another really important thing that can come out of all of this is that if everybody just kind of lowers their expectations. So I like to think of this as you're like your Pinterest life versus reality. So, you know, in a perfect world and in, in my Pinterest universe, I would have this amazing schedule going for the kids and they'd all be homeschooling and the house would be clean and everybody would be doing a certain thing at a certain time, all all perfectly like, like a Pinterest. Uh-huh. But that's not reality, right? I right, mean, right. Um, so 
so I think we just need to learn to lower our expectations and just kind of take it as it comes. Mm-hmm. And, and really, it, it causes us to develop creativity and connectivity through communication. So that's what we've been talking about kind of this whole time is that mm-hmm. we're going to have to get really creative with this. Like, it's going to be a while. We're going to be quarantined. Businesses are going to change. Family life is going to change. Education is probably going to change. And so we have the opportunity to get really creative and connect on a deeper level, but all of that's going to depend on our ability to communicate about what needs to happen next. Now, I like what you said about getting creative. And so I want to ask you this. So for Let's let's say, you know, we're not going to say they are. People are quarantined. Couples are, you know, let's just say it's just a couple. And what one creative tip would you give a, a, a couple where their marriage is not in trouble or anything like that, but they're just want, they want to think of a way that they can be more creative through their intimacy and, and just give them, you know, this is like the perfect time right now for them to experiment, but they really don't know, okay, what do we do? What one, maybe one or two tips, a creative tips that you, would you give them? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's see. Gosh, what would I ask them to do? <laughs> well, you know, it's, it, you know, it's like they're like, okay, uh, so now we're here, we're home, what do we do now? And, but it has to be an intimate tip. It can't be, you know, let's go play Monopoly. It has to be an right. intimate tip. So what would okay. Monica give them? <laughs> okay. So my favorite one uh, probably is going to be to – so so I think that couples should carve out 15 minutes to do something to strengthen their relationship every single day. I think that's really, really important. So as we're quarantined, you're going to have lots of time together, and that's not in question. But but intentionally carving out 15 minutes at least, at the very, very least, to strengthen their relationship. And there's lots of different things that they can use that 15 minutes for. But one thing I like to have people do is, especially in a time like this, figure out how to comfort each other without using any words. So oh, you're going to wow. take – Good idea. You're, yeah, so you're like if that means and you're just going to take turns. So husband and wife take turns and whatever that looks like for you, whatever would be super comforting and you can't use any words. So take his arms and wrap them around you and then start kissing passionately. If that's what comforts you when your, you know, emotions are heightened and you're having a hard time, you know, show show him with no words how to comfort you. And if for him it means take off all your clothes and have a dance party, whatever that looks like, <laughs> however you would feel comforted in a time of, of str- uh, struggle, then you have to communicate that with no words. And then another game that I love that's kind of like that is the three-minute game where you have where you have to teach them how to touch you for three minutes. And so you just take turns oh, and you I go like three that. minutes okay. at a time. And it can be a back rub. It doesn't have to be like erotic. It can be any type of touch that just feels good to you. And you just take turns three minutes at a time being in charge. And the other person has to do whatever you say for three minutes. And then you just switch. And you keep going until you either get really tired of that game or it turns into something else. <laughs> 
Okay, I like that. <laughs> okay, so now with on the brighter side, um, I I love your website by the way. It's phenomenal. Uh, very, oh, very, you. yeah, very informative, and it and it really is it really is geared towards um, strength and, and and intimacy and um, success and and friendships and relationships. So I really um, I really like it, and you guys you guys have a lot of events. And one of the things one of the ones that uh, caught my eye was the complete intimacy, the fourteen day challenge. Um, I think it's like where couples um, they get. They I, they learn to love more deeper you know develop deeper connection increase passion can you tell us more about this challenge and and how our listeners can participate in it absolutely I would love to so this is a challenge that I developed with sex therapist Cami Hurst and she is a local sex therapist and she did a I did an interview with her she did a presentation about sexual health and it went over so well with my audience they loved it and they wanted to hear more from her and so I was like what can we do together to help people experience a really healthy thriving intimate life and so we put our heads together and we created this really simple 14-day challenge basically there's like a two-minute video that you watch each day for 14 days and then like a 10-minute exercise so you're into it 15 minutes tops each day and it starts with friendship and it moves to romance and then finally to sexual intimacy and there's just these little exercises and you can do it on your own or you can involve your spouse so it just depends on if your spouse is interested in participating or not but you can you can make a huge difference just by yourself if that's how it is or if your spouse is super supportive and interested, then and you involve them, then it's even better. But it's just it's really quick each day, and you can and and it's really cheap and and easy and quick, and people are getting huge, huge, huge results from it. That's we've been doing it for a couple months now, and the feedback has just been awesome. So um, you can access that by going to www.onthebrightersideofmarriage.com backslash 14-day challenge. Okay, and now do they have to join it at a certain time? Like is it they have to wait till that that particular challenge that's going on is finished? Yeah. Or can they just, okay, gotcha. Yeah, so we open it once a month, and it's usually the the, the last, two weeks of the month and that's just how we started it doesn't always have to be that way but um we started it on valentine's day the first time and so it just it was the final two weeks of february and then the final two weeks of march and then we'll open it again midway through april you can sign up at any time but it's going to start it's going to run the last two weeks of every month okay awesome well thank you so much, Monica, for sharing your knowledge, experience, and tips with us today. You are the best. And I love your transparency. That's why I love the best. You know, oh, it's, thank it's, you. <laughs> uh, to learn more about Monica Tan and her podcast, visit on the brighter side of life.com. And remember, you can follow this podcast and more by going to blacklightentertainment.com slash podcast. A big thanks to our sponsor, behindyeroticdoors.com. You've been listening to Conversations with Tori Topher. Thanks for joining us. 
Thank you for listening to Conversations with Tori Talbert. If you have an interesting story to share or know of a person you think we should have on our show, email us at conversations at blacklionentertainment.com. Until next time, stay motivated and inspired.